Gifts. The lowest one is faith. I always put the lowest one. 
the free land. But the question I'm trying. Now, if you're like me and you say, man, I, can, I don't know if I can ever do anything like that, I just get up and move and go on a fishing field like that. Well, the question is, how do we get faith? How do we increase our faith? And then lastly, if we did walk in faith, what might God be able to do through us? And so I want you guys to think if you have your text, I think it's on page like seven or page eight in a few Bibles. It's really early on. We're going to be in Genesis 12. I think somebody over there said uh, page nine. So we're going to be in Genesis 12. Starting, we're just going to be spending basically one through four. If you have a Bible, follow along with me. Help me out. So Abram is this guy, and God called him. That's what we get here is the call of Abram. And what we see in this little passage is three things. First off, the race. Abraham has this big race. Secondly, the reward. What is the promise? What is God promising him to give it up? And then thirdly, we'll get to that in a second. Let's focus on that. Um, and then thirdly, how do we catch the vision following God? So there's a risk involved, then the act of faith. And Henry now talks about faith being like a trapeze swinger. So you're swinging, and at a certain point, you have to let go. Let go of whatever it is in the past, let go of whatever fear you have, whatever it is, you can let go. And then there's this moment in between. Where you have to trust that God's going to catch you on the other side. You've got to trust that God's going to catch you. So, we see in the end of life that he's letting go of something in order to lay hold of the promise. So, I want to look at what he's letting go of and what is he seeking to lay hold of. So, the first thing, now you've got to do something. The first thing is he's going from his country. Now, Abram grew up in the city of Ur. Then him and his father traveled to the city of Haran. Now, if you want to grow up uh, Ur, this is a picture of Ur. It looks like a ruin. All right, but this is so. This isn't a mystical, you know, mythical story. This is this is the city. So it still exists. Now, if you're looking at Ur, you're not thinking much, right? Okay, I'll, I'll leave that behind. But Ur, but we know in ancient Near East at this time, Ur and Haran, where Abraham was from were two of the biggest metropolises in all the ancient world. These were the center, the locus of culture, the locus of history. This is where important things were happening. And then God called them to another place that would basically be the equivalent of Milaka or Lodi. Kind of that middle of nowhere. Sorry, Lodi. But I love them in that time. Uh, so he said, Go, I want you to leave this. this Earn and around behind. And part of what that meant is those big cities had a big wall around them, which meant protection. If you knew that you and your family and flock were safe, it says leave it behind, let go. And then we see that God says, Now, I'm going to send you somewhere. Where is he going to send him? Go ahead and see the back of the list. The land that I will show you. He doesn't even know where he's going. I mean, that's his faith, right? He doesn't know where he's going. Now, we know where he's going. He's going to Canaan. But Canaan hasn't been settled by the Israelites yet. It's not the land long ago yet. Canaan is a blood-soaked land. Canaan was known as not being centralized by an empire. That means tribes fought each other. And it was a land with a really dark spirituality. There's been some uh, archaeological digs found there. Canaanites, the people that were living there, 
And their worship involved child sacrifice. That's there's literally tombs of children, babies, that were sacrificed by gods. And so, Abraham's leaving behind safety and security to go to what we would say would be a pretty rough place. Now, what other risks? We have to go from your kindred and go from your father's house. And so he's leaving behind the family business. Now, at this time, family business was your security blanket. This was how you knew that you would be able to be, that you would be, able to be taken care of, especially in your old age. Leave behind you, God says. It was taking a huge risk to leave his family. And an interesting thing is Acts tells us, it says, go from your father's house. The reason it's not go from your father is because Abraham left right after his father passed away. So after his father passed away, he got a new call for him. This is a little bit of speculation, but I think it's a safe speculation. Abraham was 75 years old when he left. I think it's safe to assume that for the first 75 years of his life, what obedience looked like and his call was, was to take care of his aged father. So Abraham learned obedience by staying first. Then he learned obedience by going. And that's what obedience looks like. Sometimes it looks like going, like very cute, going on a mission field. But sometimes it looks like staying, taking care of your aged parents taking care of your aging spouse. It may look like taking care of little babies. But you want to go to the workforce. God seems to call you to stay at home for the work class. So obedience looks differently. But all in all, for Abram, looking at those things, he's got quite a risk. He's letting go of some pretty safe things. And then, so let's talk about what the promises are. What's he laying hold of? Go ahead to the rewards. So first off, I'm going to make you make up to a great nation. So the, the word great in Hebrew is gadol. And gadol is not just, I'm going to make a big powerful nation out of you. It includes that, but it's particularly, I'm going to make a particularly numerous nation out of you. If you're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids, and they're going to have kids, and it's going to be a huge nation for you. Now, that's, that's quite a promise. I would say maybe I'll leave behind this town and go there. Except, you know, from 11, Genesis 11 to 30, that Abraham's wife and Sarah was there. Abraham's 75, and Sarah as well to pass her childbearing years. So, yeah, it's a great promise, a great nation. That would be wonderful. But how? God, that's impossible. Next thing is, he says, I will bless you. By blessing, what he means by that is, um, first off, prosperity. I'm going to take care of your financial needs as you're on this traveling. But the second thing is fertility. It's another, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of your, your problem with being parent. Let's take care of that. Now, we hear blessing all the time. You go to Chick-fil-A, right? And they say, have a blessed day. Most likely, they don't mean so don't give them a weird look next time you go. But in Abraham's case, God is saying, I'm going, I'm going to take care of the fertility problem here. So it seems far-fetched. God's going to take care of his finances, but yet to pass with money generated years, and he's going to take care of his problem not having an heir, but he's past childbearing years. You can see 
That creates my account. Next thing is I'm going to make your name great. Talked about that last week, where the Tower of Babel, the people said, we're going to make a name for ourselves. We want to make a name for ourselves. Our work is going to be about making a name for ourselves. And God said, no, I'm going to make a name for you. And then the little thing on the tail end of that said, so that you will be a blessing. I didn't really cover that last week. But the whole idea is when we work for that identity that God can work for us, when we work for that identity that he's given us, Frees us up to not try to earn an identity, but rather to be a blessing to others. And so God said, I'm going to make your name great. I got it number four. These are your rewards for me. I'm going to bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. He's got a 600 mile journey ahead of him, and then he's going to do a dark thing. So God's saying, I've got your back. I'm going to protect you. Somebody comes against you, I'll take care of them. And then finally, this last one, you all the families of the earth. Blessed. Now that's the most significant, that's the most extraordinary promise. But I'm not going to talk about that yet. I'll talk about that in the future sermon. So a little bit there before you shoot. So that's the risk. We see the risks, and then we see the rewards. You guys seeing what, what Abraham's up against? But you have to realize that in the midst of this, there's a, this tension. Is he going to follow? Is he going to go? And all of these rewards are all of them start with, I will do this for you, Abraham. I will do this. And so it's not just a matter of Abraham saying, this, here's the risk, here's the reward, what's, what's better. But then there's the relationship. He's got to figure out, is this God who's making these promises trustworthy? Can he actually come through for me? Can he actually do these things that he's claiming to do? And in our lives, it's the same. At some point in your life, in the Christian faith, you'll have to realize, okay, do I trust God or do I not trust Him? So that's the tension created by this text. Then, we see what Abel does. And it's so short, beloved, and so understated. God called Abel to go in verse 1, then in verse 4, it says this. So Abel went, just as the Lord told him. I mean, that is one power path phrase that shows you this faith. He goes, it's unbelievable, isn't it? It's amazing. 75 years old, he gets picked up everything and he goes, trusting God. And when we look at passages like this, we're going to say, hey, I want faith like that. How do I get faith like that? I don't have faith like that. I want to tell you something. If you look at Abraham and you say, I want to have faith like that. Or you look at Brent Kim and you and say, I want to have faith like that. Never can I have faith like that. I should have sent the sermon there. I'd be like, what are you talking about? Okay, so here's what I mean. So we don't get faith. Our faith doesn't increase by looking at other people and wishing, I wish I could be like them. Our faith increases when our vision of God increases. Our faith increases when we start to see how big He is. Now, big is planet in the world. It's not by looking at other people and saying, I wish I could be like it. It's looking at God and saying, You were part, you were doing something so huge in the world. God, how can I be part of that? And so, if you talk to Brent, you talk to him, if you have the opportunity to talk to Abraham or Lily's father, the reason that they were able to make such a risky faith is because somewhere along the line, the proper vision of what God was up to 
from seeing the greatness of God. The bigger our vision of God gets, the bigger our faith gets. That's where faith comes from. So God called Abraham. Abraham answered the call. The reality is, each person in this room, God called me. The question is, are we going to answer it? And anytime we start wrestling with, do I want to place faith in God in this aspect of my life? The relational question starts asking. You start asking yourself, is he trustworthy? Does he care for me? And so I want to spend a few minutes unpacking the vision that this passage gives us for the bigness of what God has to in the world and our place in it. And it starts with this. If you're going to answer God's call, is he trustworthy? We deliver on his promises. And I want to look at those promises in Abraham's life. You don't need to put the slide up. They can just do that. That's fine. I'm going to go over these promises really quick. God promised to protect Abraham. Next week we'll see that God protects Abraham and Sarah in Egypt. It's a really funny story of God protecting them. We see God keeps his promises. God promised to bless Abraham with prosperity. By the end of this chapter, by the end of chapter 12, Abraham had so many flocks that he and his nephew have to separate because there's not enough land to raise them on. God keeps his promises. The next thing we see is that God promised Abraham land. By the end of the book of Joshua, God's delivered the land to Abraham's descendants. God keeps his promises. Then God promised to make Abraham a great nation. And by 2 Samuel, God has established Israel as a powerhouse. Then God promised to make Abraham's name great. By the end of the sermon, a group of 250 people or so, 4,000 years later, 6,501 miles away from Israel, will be talking about the name of Abraham. That's trustworthy. He asked you to do something, he's going to make good some of us in the room might be saying, well, that's good for Abraham. How do I know that he cares for me? Yeah, he keeps promising to Abraham. But how, what about me? How do I know that he cares for me? And this is where that last promise comes in. This is why that last promise is so important. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to nerd out here on languages a little bit. So just follow with me. This is important. So God tells Abraham at the end of verse 3, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's the last promise. And that same promise is repeated at the end of Genesis, at the end, at the end of Abraham's life in Genesis. And, and the phrasing is this, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. That word offspring is important. It says, in your offspring, all the nations, every single person, every male and child, the whole entire world will be blessed.
God sent his seed to the earth. One descendant of Abraham, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the seed that God has promised. You see, Abraham's life is merely foreshadowing Christ's life. If we look at Abraham's life, we see Jesus coming out through it. See, Abram left his family, remember, to go to an unknown land. But Christ left his heavenly Father, that he had dwelt with for eternity, to come down to a fallen world. Why? So that we could be reconciled to each other. Abram left cosmopolitan her to go wander in a small town in Canaan. But Christ left the glory the eternal city that he had been framed over. He came to her and lived for 30 years in a backwater town and was a carpenter and nobody knew who he was. And then for his three years of ministry, the scriptures tell us that he had nowhere to lay his head, that he fed his homes, that he wandered around doing ministry. Why? Christ came in exile and wonder so that we can have an eternal home with God. Finally, the seed through which all the nations can be blessed. John 12, 24 teaches us, this is Jesus' word, he says, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, unless a seed falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Christ the seed fell into the rocky soil of our lives so that new life would spring out. Even 4,000 years ago, God was preparing us for this. It's beautiful. It's the glory of God's plan. And great faith comes from seeing the great God. It's no accident that all these things So, two application points for us. How do we step out of faith? How do we respond? If God's calling us, what do we do? Now, for people who are struggling with their faith, maybe they don't have any faith right now, I want to encourage you to do this. I want you to intentionally look at God's places. How do we do that? We can do it through nature, but I want you to ask, I want to ask you to do it this week by doing what we did this morning, looking at his word. If you've never read the Bible before, maybe you've read a little bit here and there, I want to encourage you to pick up your Bible and open the book of John and read about the seed, read about Christ. I was talking to my cousin a few years ago, and he struggled I was talking to him a few months ago. He said that a number of years ago he started struggling with his faith and his God and all that kind of stuff. And he said, Every night I started reading my Bible. And he wasn't going to church or anything, and his thought was so powerful. He started reading the Bible all on his own. Now, maybe you've read the Gospels before, and you're like, eh, okay, like, I like Jesus. Well, go back. Go back to Genesis. Start in Genesis 12. If you want to follow along with us, this whole summer we're going to be studying Genesis, the life of Abraham. Go through it slowly. Look for the greatness of God. Because great faith comes from seeing his greatness. Now, for those who have had faith for a long time, 
where your faith is doing well. I want to, I want to challenge you next. So the primary goal of a Christian, Jesus tells us in Matthew 28. And this is interesting how it parallels the call of Abraham. So the call on all Christians is pretty similar to the call of Abraham. If you look at the call of Abraham, it says, Abraham, go. And in you, all the nations of the world will be going to go. And in Matthew 28, we get this very similar call. He says to all Christians, go and make disciples of all nations. I'm with you in the age. No. So if you have strong faith, I want to challenge you to join in a tangible way in God's mission in the world. And I want to challenge you to do it in two ways. First off, is joining to God which is somehow globally. He's got a global mission. If you read the scriptures, you see all the talk about the nations and nations. That's because God's goal is to go to all peoples all over the earth. And so join in some way. One, one option is start praying for great things to do. Another option would be there's three mission trips going on this church. A Peru mission trip, Guatemala mission trip, and a Tanzania. Think with those prayers. Find out where they're going, find out who's going, and pray for those people individually by name. You have no idea how much it will mean to them, how much it will mean to the kingdom. So pick something globally to invest in God's kingdom. Just make disciples in some way globally. And then, more importantly, probably, would be invest locally. And Jesus used the word disciple, go and make disciples. And what that means isn't go and just kind of love everybody. Surely it's part of that. What it means is pick one, two, pick a few people, maybe just one, and say, I'm going to invest in this person. I'm going to pour into this person. God's taught me these things. I, I want to do something else. I cannot tell you how many younger people there are out here who are hungry for that. Take it, say, I'm going to take that lunch. I'm going to take that dinner. I want to get to know you and share a little bit of what God has done in my life. Disciples of life. So I asked God this week, who can I pour into? And if you don't get anybody by Wednesday, I will get something to you. <laughs> and here's what I'm going to tell you, because if Wednesday comes and God hasn't given you anybody, then maybe this is what you should do. Volunteer in the ministry. Volunteer in the children's ministry. Volunteer in the youth ministry. There's so many young people on this island that need to be poured into, that need to be excited. So, Pick one way that you can pour in locally and one way that you can pour in locally. And the last thing isn't for everybody. Um, it's just for maybe a handful of people here. But if there's something that you sense that God has been calling you to do, but you're afraid, you know what? He's been calling you to do this. I want to encourage you this week. Here you Right. Whatever it is that you're afraid of, let go. Trust will catch you. Trust He will have you. I want to finish with a little <coughs> story of how I saw this whole sermon back in my life. So when I was working on this sermon earlier in the semester, I wrote an introduction about Brent, and oh man, he's got such great faith, let me get that. And as I was writing the conclusion, I realized I'm, I'm sitting next to this guy, marveling at his faith as he tells me to ride down the road. And then I'm like, wait a minute, I am overseas. I am doing mission work right now as I'm driving alongside this guy. And I'll tell you, as I told you in the beginning of the sermon, my faith quotient is low. I don't have a whole lot of natural faith. 
Somewhere along the way, gradually, God expanded my vision himself and his plan for the world. And that is what helped me and caused me to do something that I wouldn't even realize realize it's kind of scary at the time. So I want to share with you this and leave you with this. Great faith comes from seeing the greatness of God. My prayer for each of you this week is you present and see his greatness and his faith in you. Let me pray for this. Lord, I pray for each person this morning. Help them to see your glory. Let it increase their faith. For those who don't have faith, Lord, I pray that you 